Rich, I'm getting a little bit of a echo here. All right. Have fun, guys. Sounds like they're having fun. Oh. You guys ever get up to preach and you forget what order the books of the Bible are in? Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> I found it. The Psalms. I actually found it. It's right in the middle. Oh. You know, as, as we continue our service today and look again at the topic of worship, I, I kind of want to keep things simple this morning. Um, and as I was reflecting on what the Lord wanted for us as we continue to, to consider this, this reality of worship, the concept of worship, the practice of worship, you know, and, and thinking back to last week and looking at things like, oh, this Old Testament law and tabernacles and temples and structure and format and, you know, passage after passage after passage after passage of instructions that God gives in worship. And that's a really important aspect of coming to a glorious God, right? You, know, you want to come to God the way he wants you to come to him. Have you guys ever watched a movie where, uh, you know, I remember the, the miniseries on John Adams. Uh, there's other movies I've seen where, where someone is coming to see the King of England. So John Adams was actually in... Um, he had to go, and I think he was with the King of France, and he had to go before the King of France to ask for aid to the United States. And he's going, and, and there are handlers who prepare him for how to, how to walk, where to stand, where to stop, how to walk away, when to speak, when not to speak. You know, even like, you know, you're going to stop here, and then you don't speak until you're spoken to. And then if he says something to you, then you can speak back. And then when you walk out of the room, you walk out. But, you know, like all this stuff, right? Because you want... When you're, when you're in the presence of someone, and of course, you know, for us, we don't give too much credence to kings and queens, but when you're in the presence of someone who's powerful and mighty and has very strict protocols, you want to follow those protocols because you'll have not only a better hearing, right? You want to be heard by this person, but if you're someone, you know, for, for John Adams going to France, he has no love for the king of France. But there, there are people who love their king. And not only do they want to do what's right and proper and, and appropriate for the moment to, to gain an audience, but some people actually feel this inner desire to honor that person in those ways. They, they want to show deference. They want to show their allegiance, their gratitude, their praise, if you will. So this is really important. But there's this complete other side to worship, a different aspect and perspective that's full of freedom and joy and delight. And so I wanted to start where we started last week to say, hey, this isn't just a free-for-all, but at the same time, it's like once you get entry into the room, there's a lot of freedom and joy to be had there. Because I don't want us to think of worship as just something we do out of duty. Or that it's something we do because we're supposed to. And I think if we're, probably if most of us in this room, if we're honest, we've felt like that before. 
We felt like, oh, I have to go to church. Oh, I've got to worship. Oh, they're going to sing another song. <laughs> In fact, I was uh, talking to someone recently, and they said, oh, you know, so-and-so, uh, they just think we do too many songs. It's like, oh, okay. All right. Good to know. And, and everyone has that perspective, right? I mean, different people have that perspective. And part of it's what we're used to, and part of it's, you know, likes and dislikes and all that. But I think sometimes we actually miss the purpose of worship when we think of it that way. And it's not that we maybe always do, but maybe sometimes we do. And so I want to point your attention to the Psalms today, to Psalm 92. And so if you have a Bible, open it up. If you don't have one, there's one just like this under a chair somewhere near you. You can pull it out or just Google Psalm 92 and you can pull it up on your phone. But Psalm 92 is actually not only a, a, a wonderful psalm, but it's an instructive psalm. It's an invitational uh, uh, psalm, but it's also one that teaches us about God and about worship. And, you know, I titled the, the sermon today, Our Worship, Our Great Delight, because, pardon the expression, but when it's done right, worship is so joyful. It's incredible. It's a gift to us. And again, before you, before you forget, at some point today, read the, the cover on the bulletin that worship is not just God receiving our praise. It's, but when we worship him, he's actually giving us something in the process. He's giving us himself in the process. Uh, but Psalm 92 starts like this. It is good to praise the Lord. It is good to praise the Lord. He doesn't say it's important to praise the Lord. He doesn't say it's necessary to praise the Lord. He doesn't say, hey, buck up, guy, because if you're going to do this, you're going to need to, like, you know, gird your loins and get ready for something hard. No, he says it's good. It's good to praise the Lord. It is good to make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp. It's just this opening line that says, hey, this is wonderful. This is a gift to us that we get to praise you. And it's not only good for us, Lord, it's good for you because, as we've talked about, you deserve it. God, you deserve it. We talked last week with this definition of, of worship being to ascribe and display honor and glory to God in a manner worthy of his character and actions. But we said, let's simplify that because, you know, ascribe, like who uses that word, right? Other than me, no one's walking around using ascribe, right? So let's make it really simple. Worship is showing by your words and actions what God is worth to you. Worthship. That's where the word comes from. Just showing God what he's worth to you. So when we come, whether it's this morning, whether it's last night, whether it's any other time, when we come together as a community and we lift up praises to the Lord like we just did, it is good to do that. And I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to think that, that even, for example, that we want you here because, you know, maybe we're feeling insecure and we need more people in these chairs to make us feel better about ourselves. Like, no, no. We want you here because we get to praise the Lord together. And it's good. It's fitting. It shows him what he's worth to us. 
in ways that other things don't. And then when you walk out of these rooms here in this building and you're away from us and you, and you show up lovingly to a world that's having a hard time being loving right now, when you show up with grace for yourself and others, when the world likes to pile on shame and, and guilt and I mean, all these things that want to put each other down, when you, when you interact with people in a way that's honest and truthful instead of simply, you know, skirting the issues or, or making yourself look better than you are or, you know, stealing people's ideas, all sorts of ways that people lie, right, out there, then that shows God also what he's worth to you because these are all expressions of praise. These are all expressions of worship. These are all ways that we ascribe and display honor and glory to God in a manner worthy of his character and actions. Because God's like that, we want to be like that so that we can be a reflection to the world back of what God looks like, right? And so I love how the psalmist starts. But then he gives a reason to delight in honoring the Lord. So in the very next verse, verse 4, he says, For you make me... Oh, what is that? says, for you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. And we, we actually kind of talk about that a lot. Often when we gather for worship, I or Beth or someone will get up here and say, you know, hasn't God been good to you? Let's, let's reflect back to God the joy that we have and what he's done for us. And I think this is a really important aspect of worship. And if we miss this one, everything else is going to feel forced. If you miss the fact that God has been good to you, that God has been faithful to you, if you miss the fact that God is pouring out blessings on your life, it's going to be a lot harder to come in here and praise Him, isn't it? And think about the ways that gets twisted inside for us. So for example, maybe... uh, you know, you, we've got this song crying out to God the Father, and maybe you think of your own father in a way that's really not very positive. In fact, maybe your, your earthly father, or maybe different fathers, or but for that matter, mothers, parent figures in your life have treated you poorly, have treated you harshly, maybe even have abused you. Maybe there's this stuff that kind of just not even consciously, but it just kind of rises up when you start thinking of God the Father. And instead of feeling delight and joy in Him, you start to perceive His actions in ways that are not true to what He's done, but they get filtered through these lenses. Or maybe you've been in a church environment where God was used to kind of bash you over the head You know, people trying to coerce you to do things that they want you to do and using God as the excuse. That happens, doesn't it? And you think, God doesn't seem very friendly to me. I know growing up, you know, when I was in a youth group, a lot of the teaching that I got from from some of those leaders, some of them were fantastic. But sometimes it was really just this moral code they were trying to, to put on us and using God as the, as the sledgehammer to, to pound it into us. 
And so maybe you think of God as just this, you know, big traffic cop in the sky who's looking out for every little mistake you make so he can give you a ticket, give you a fine, get on to you. You know, that we have all these different conceptions of God. And even if your conception of God is, oh, he's this warm grandfather figure, uh, maybe even that version of God is not very powerful and mighty. Maybe he seems kind of weak. I remember a friend of mine growing up, uh, he, he was in a stage in his life where he was feeling pretty proud of himself, pretty much across the board. Um, and then one day he said, you know, I don't know if I can follow this Jesus. I think if Jesus and I were in a fist fight, I'd win. There's so many things wrong with that statement. <laughs> you know, probably Jesus wouldn't enter that fist fight. Uh, and maybe, maybe you would think you'd win just like the Roman authorities thought they won in a fist fight with Jesus. Just like the devil thought he won in a fist fight with Jesus. So on the outside, it might even look like, yeah. But you've totally misunderstood Jesus. Jesus wasn't weak when he died on the cross in the sense of being unable to defend himself. Jesus showed restraint to display the greatest power the universe has ever known when he died on the cross. And so our perception of God and the actions of God, the power of God, the might of God, the, the judgment of God, the holiness of God, the grace of God, all those things might keep us from delighting in what he's done for us. Because the thing is, don't, don't you just naturally experience gratitude and joy when someone does something really nice for you? You know, I think a lot of times we, we are better at praising things in the natural world than we are at praising God because these gifts that come our way are so tangible. Maybe they're really obvious. Um, if someone walked up to you after service and they said, hey, I was thinking of you, take this, and they hand you an envelope, and, you know, using good discretion, you just say thank you and you put it in your pocket, right? You don't want to, like, rifle through in front of everybody. But you get out to your car and you're like, huh, what is this? And you open it. What if there was, like, $5,000 in there? Would you experience joy and gratitude to that person? Yeah. Do you think you might, like, ring them up and, like, oh, I'm sorry I didn't look at it earlier. Thank you so much. This is incredible. Do you think if it were appropriate, and again, with discretion, you don't want to go crazy, but do you think you might say, hey, this person did such a nice thing for me. They were thinking of me out of, just out of the blue, and they gave me this incredible gift. And, and what if it was in a time when you just really desperately needed it? Wouldn't you feel such delight in that, and you'd want to share it with others? We're just made that way. And, and I think... Um, we also delight when we see good things happening to other people that we love. Like there are some of you in this room who've been really good to our daughters. And you've taken them out to lunch, you've given them gifts, you've prayed with them. And for Sonia and for me, like, that just brings us this joy and delight and gratitude that's so deep. And probably, well not probably, definitely more delight than if you'd done it for me, that you did it for them. You know, but this is what God is doing all the time. God's parenting your children. God's blessing your mom and your dad. God's showing up for your brother and sister. God's speaking to your work, uh, uh, to your, your workmate. That's not the right word. 
your, your friends at work. Co-workers, yes, co-workers are being blessed by the Lord. And God is showing up for you every single day. And here's the, here's the big thing is that we often, we're not looking to see it. You know, sometimes, sometimes we just don't have eyes to see the blessings that are right in front of us. And this happens all the time. But the psalmist says, you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done because he knows what it's like to delight in God simply because he blesses us, simply because he's good. You know, and, and the thing is, we want other people to receive those blessings too, right? And so as we honor the Lord, when you think about it, by the way, any, anyone ever get nervous when pastors bring up sharing the gospel with somebody? Like, oh, you need to be sharing the gospel. Oh, you need to, you need to get worried. But what if, what if it was like this? Hey, wouldn't it be awesome if the people that you love could receive these blessings that you receive all the time? Wouldn't that be great? Don't you want to see that? And wouldn't God be honored and praised and glorified if they put their trust in him too? And then he poured out his blessing in their life and they poured out more praise. And then you see all of a sudden that like, oh, sharing the gospel is actually an act of worship, not an act of duty and obligation. Whoa, whoa, I love that. So we delight in honoring God simply because he blesses us. Now the psalmist goes on in the next three verses. He says in verse five, how great are your works, Lord, how profound your thoughts. Senseless people do not know, fools do not understand that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evil deals flourish. Did I get ahead of myself? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, they will be destroyed forever. He says, God, you're actually just doing these amazing things. And that's also worthy of worship. I also delight in, in honoring that. And I don't know about you guys, but it's very natural for me to get delighted when something amazing happens or when something cool happens or when something beautiful comes my way. And I, I gotta, I'm going to do this. Like, uh, I do this to Esther all the time because Esther is really into music. But... Um, Whenever there's a song, so in, in music, there are these uh, songs, you've got chords. You guys can hear that, right? So I'm in G. You don't have to memorize this. There's no test. So these are called diatonic chords. These are all the chords that are in the key of G. But then that song we sang, I give up my nothing. What is the word? I throw up my hands, praise you again and again. And it goes to this D. Right? But then at the end, it goes, so I throw my hands and praise you again and again. And that key's not in the core. In the, that chord's not in the key. And I'm like, oh. And then what's the next line? Because all that I have is a hallelujah. And listen to this. Hallelujah. Oh, that chord. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I like this song. And I'm like, Esther, there's this song, and it goes from the D major to the D minor, and then from the C major to the C minor, and it's awesome. And I do this to her all the time. And we'll be listening to, the, we'll be listening to a song on the radio. I'm like, oh, did you hear that modulation? Oh, did you hear, them? Ooh, did you hear that note? 
Does the Father truly love us? He does. Does this... Does the Spirit move among us? He does. In the original recording, don't do the Chris Tomlin. Don't do any. It's Andrew Peterson. You got to listen to that one. He does. And the choir hits that note. And I'm like, oh, glory to God. And I'm telling you, now here's the thing. And this is a little bit like I'm almost uh, a little uh, sad and ashamed to share this. But like, do you see how excited I get about these things? This is not put on. I often don't get that excited when God does this beautiful note in my life or yours or in the scripture. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm reading the scripture and all of a sudden something clicks in my head. I'm like, oh, look what he did there. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's astounding. He says, how great are your works, Lord. How profound are your thoughts. God is just simply amazing. And this kind of worship just comes out of us naturally with the things in the world. But again, we're often not seeing how God is, I mean, God's the one who created a D minor in the key of G right after a D major. He's the one who invented these notes. He's the one who made the, I mean, do you guys understand that what's happening when I play those notes is that these vibrations are mixing in the air and being received by by little nodules in your ears and it just becomes this beautiful thing in your brain. God created that. He didn't have to. Did you know the earth has a frequency? It's really low, you can't hear it. But the earth is making music. I hope and I believe that when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to hear the sounds that we can't hear now. We're going to be able to see the colors that we can't see yet, right? You know, there's ultraviolet, and I don't know what the sub stuff is, but like there's, there's all these things that are happening around us that we're not even tuning into, and you kind of wonder, why did God create them if we can't even see them? And I think the answer is because eventually we will. How cool is that? But what do we do? What do we do? We go, oh, did you see this movie that came out? It's awesome. It's so good. Let me tell you all about it. Let me tell all my friends about it. Oh, have you been to that restaurant that opened up in Boston? You know, the one with the really cool ideas and the great food, and it's not, like, ridiculously expensive yet. (laughs) Have you been there? Oh, it's so good. We went to the Museum of Fine Arts this week and we saw these paintings and sculptures that were just amazing. And, and it's, I don't know about you, I love art. I love art. But, but I'm walking around this museum and they're all so good. Eventually I'm like, yeah, there's a Rembrandt. <laughs> yep, there's a Saison. You know, it's like, they're amazing. And if I just saw one of them, I probably would be tempted to weep. But there's hundreds of them and it's almost like, eh. And I think that's kind of what happens sometimes with God too. God's been so good for so long, you kind of almost forget it. But these beautiful things in life, powerful things too, like when you're a kid, it's amazing when one of those companies shows up and takes down a massive tree in like 15 minutes. 
And when you're a kid, you just want to watch. I remember a kid just every, like on, in the mornings once a week running to the window so I could try to see the garbage man pick up the garbage. Like This is how tuned we are to sing cool things and then honoring them. And of course, athletic prowess. Man, I do not get tired of Michael Jordan compilations of all of his greatest moves. David's already over here like, you know, like, yeah, I don't get tired of that. I saw someone this morning was already posting uh, that the Bruins goalie scored a goal, which has only happened like six times apparently in NHL history from across the court. He knocked it right in the goal um, because it's amazing. And of course, you know, 20 years of Tom Brady or now Patrick Mahomes or whoever it is that you're into, whatever sport or activity or whatever your thing is. I was watching uh, this ridiculous ping pong uh, back and forth for like five minutes and they're each standing 30 feet away from the table. And you're like, how in the world are they doing this? You know, we just can't help it. Any great accomplishment or great beauty, we just want to honor it. But again, you have to have eyes to see it. He goes on, he gives us one more thing that he delights in the Lord for, and it starts in verse 9. It says, For surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish, and all evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries, and my ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. Sometimes this kind of thing makes us uncomfortable. But when God strikes down your enemies, oh, praise the Lord. Now, we have to be careful. Uh, sometimes we have real legitimate enemies on this earth. Very real. And sometimes it's reg you know, relatively benign. It's, maybe it's a boss who doesn't like you co-worker who lies about you. Maybe it's a family member who's um, kind of um, poisoned your family against you. I mean, those are really serious things. But they're not shooting bullets at you and blowing bombs up on your house, right? Uh, but sometimes people are. Sometimes people are. We see that going around different places in the world. And fortunately, it hasn't happened here in a long, long, long time. Um, but if you're under that kind of enemy, some of the queasiness around these passages starts to slip away because you realize, oh, this is real stuff. And here's the thing. You have another enemy who's not of this world, and yet he's in this world. And what he can do to you is far more deadly than any bomb or bullet or knife or words or lies. And actually, all those things are his tools and instruments to do what he's trying to do, which is to destroy you, to kill you, and to steal from you. Steal from you everything. He wants to steal from you everything that Christ has won for you on the cross. And you know what? When that dude goes down, I'm not, I'm not trying to be flipped by saying dude, but when, when he goes down, we will be rejoicing. The world will be rejoicing. Nature will be rejoicing. All creation groans, awaiting its redemption through Jesus Christ.
Have you ever had that moment also? You know, it's when it's your enemy, it's pretty clear. But have you ever had that moment where someone cuts you off on the road or they're going like 90 miles an hour and scare you when they pass or they don't stop at the stop sign and they almost hit, oh my goodness, almost hit one of your kids or something. And then you hear, woo, 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 woo. And the policeman comes out and pulls them over and you're like, yes. <laughs> That's right. Now, if you had done the same thing, you, you wouldn't feel the same kind of excitement about the restraint of evil in the world. But when it's someone else, you like it, right? But here's the thing. If we had eyes to see, we would appropriately delight in that and also when God restrains our own. Because there is something appropriate and right about the punishment of evil and justice being done. We would be up in arms, and we have gotten up in arms when we see that the courts do not dispense justice. And this is not in conflict with grace, forgiveness, mercy. It really isn't. Because ultimately what justice is, is justice is saying that this thing that is wrong is actually wrong. This thing that is evil, we're calling evil. And actually, uh, it, it would be both just to, to condemn someone rightfully for a crime, but then also to give them grace and leniency in the, in the punishment. But it would not be okay to say, oh, that crime doesn't matter, that evil's no problem, we're going to overlook this and pretend it never happened. That's not okay. So we delight in the Lord because of justice. And guys, let me tell you, when the end comes, and the end will come, when the end comes, the Bible tells us uh, to expect an increase of trouble, an increase of hardship. There's also going to be lots of blessings in there, but an increase of trouble. And then when that trouble ends, and the perpetrators of that trouble, particularly and most prominently Satan himself, are cast into this lake of fire. There's going to be a party. And I can just imagine the singing, the honoring. I mean, you see pictures from the end of World War II when people are celebrating the streets and strangers are kissing each other and like all, you know, everyone's like got champagne in the streets. Like That's nothing. Nothing compared to what it's going to be like when God finally vanquishes our enemy. But delight in, delight in the Lord for his faithfulness and justice too. And, and the, the psalm ends like this. It says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. There will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will steer, still bear fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and green. Proclaiming, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. You know, we praise the Lord. We delight in the Lord because of his goodness to us. He blesses us. We praise the Lord and delight in him because he's amazing. We praise the Lord and delight in him because he is just. But there's also a fruit of praising the Lord, and the fruit of praising the Lord is that our hope, our honor, our glory, our joy, our aspirations, everything good that goes into that worship, it will never be wrongly placed when it's placed on God. 
Michael Jordan can't play like he used to. Tom Brady maybe can't play like he used to. Probably can't play like he used to. People that we thought were amazing, eventually, somehow, some way, maybe not in huge ways, but in some way, they'll always let us down. Right? Maybe not in a catastrophic way, but sometimes in a catastrophic way. We've seen it with ministers. We've seen it with politicians. We've seen it in our families and amongst our friends. That movie that seems so great right now maybe won't seem so great in 20 years. But it'll never be a a misplaced honor, worship, and glory when it's put in the Lord. And it instills in us this hope for a future. You know, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Why? Because God blesses us. Because he's amazing. Because he's just and he punishes our enemies. So we'll flourish like palm trees. We'll grow like cedars of Lebanon. I don't know if you've ever thought, I really wish I could grow like a cedar of Lebanon. But trust me, that's like it. That's like the thing you want to be if you lived uh, uh, 3,000 years ago in the Middle East. You know, flourish in the courts of our God. Bearing fruit in old age. And then what do you do in the end of that? You're still praising the Lord. How many things in your life have you been really hot on? And then many, 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 many years, decades, centuries later, you're still like, this is amazing. Maybe not too many. I mean, those Rembrandts hold up pretty well. But the Lord, oh, the Lord holds up like nothing else. C.S. Lewis says, and it's there for you, he says, to not admire something that's admirable is like to be dead because it, what, what it means is you haven't ever really seen it. You've never really seen it because if you'd seen it, there'd be no doubt. Open your eyes, church. Open your ears. Open your hearts. See the Lord for who he is, for what he's done, and for what he's going to do. And then see what happens in your heart. By the way, it's one thing also to think of these things as uh, statements of truth, and they are. But to experience it relationally takes it to a whole different level. To not just say, oh, God blesses me, but to be in, in concert and in partnership with God as he is blessing you to do the things that he's called you to do and to see the fruit of that, to experience his love and his tenderness personally, to know his grace poured out for your circumstance just takes it to a whole other level. I did my uh, takeaway a little differently than I normally do. It's more of a reminder than anything else. Guys, if you ever, and I don't just mean like getting ready for church and coming to church. It's, it's actually not always pleasant to, to get out in a cold morning. Maybe it's not always easy to get the family ready or get, you know, get ready on time and get here. 
But if worshiping the Lord feels like a chore, I just wonder if maybe you've forgotten who it is that we're worshiping. And I don't mean that in a condemning way. It's more like, hey, remember? Remember him? Remember what he's like? Remember what he's done? Remember how amazing he is? And don't forget that the justice that sometimes you fear is going to work out in your favor in the end because God's going to judge your worst enemy. And he's going to send them away forever. And you're never going to have to face him again. Man, he's good. So church, I invite you now just take a moment with the Lord. Maybe you need to ask him to help you open your eyes. Maybe you need to ask him to help you remember what he's done. But maybe your eyes are open and you remember and you just want to tell him how great he is. Take a few moments just between you and the Lord to respond in some way to what you've heard. It's a simple message, right? Worship is about delight. It's about joy. It's about gratitude. It's about reflecting back what God has already done. Back to him. So that I can see it. So that you can see it. So the world can see it. So the angels can see it. And even the Lord can see it. Reflected back from us to him.